Hello, welcome to Human Tech, a podcast about the intersection between humans and technology. My name is Guthrie. I'm here with Susan. Hello, Susan. Hi, Guthrie. Uh, how are things going? Good. You know, um, the snow has melted in my backyard. <laughs> that's, Finally. That's that's pretty awesome. Um, I'm in Chicago, and there's uh, sunny and beautiful today. Yeah, uh, we we went from winter to summer in like one week, so there was no <laughs> spring. That's it's all right with me. I'm very happy. It's warm. I'm happy. So, uh, what is our topic today? Well, you know, I thought we'd talk about um, an interesting to- topic that you recently did a uh, right. one of your video blogs on, which has to do with the relationship between trust and public shaming <laughs> as weird as that sounds and I, I, I so there's research on on how you build a culture of trust and uh there's also research and, and in this research it's to me is i thought you explained it well but it is kind of complicated yeah it also has to do with uh it has to do not only with trust and with this idea of public shaming, but then there's something about altruism was in this research study. And, <laughs> and, uh, but I thought it was really interesting. And there's so much going on, you know, kind of in, in, in our cultural culture in general and in the news about, um, you know, there's a lot of public shaming going on, to yeah. tell you the truth. And so, well, no, there's not. There's not? It's yes and no. And that's, all right, well, well, we can get to that. We can get into that. But anyway, I thought that that, you know, given given everything that's been going on and I don't know, we should talk about that. So is that all right with you? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So I but I don't know how how to start this. You want to just talk about like the setup of the research maybe? Yeah, sure. Okay. So there's um there's a bit of one of the big problems that we find when we do a lot of work with a lot of companies is that whatever, you know, information we give them is nice, but really the the answer to their question is how do we change the culture of our company to implement those ideas? And so figuring out exactly how to have a culture that is positive and uh, that kind of does what you want is difficult. Uh, so, so there's this idea, and we've heard it. I think this idea has kind of been around for decades, you know, because there's been a lot of like, kind of like businessy books about creating a winning culture and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And yeah, so so there are kind of two ways that you can create a good culture, and what seems to be important is that you need a culture of trust because when a team like trusts each other that's when you get the best results it appears okay. that the you mean worst... like no you mean just like whatever whatever the well let me give you let me give you an example um yeah. right so let's imagine uh there's it's a small team and you have the boss person and you have the, you know, one or two, you know, minions working underneath that person. If if the person who is in charge, uh, let's, let's just say they don't trust 
the the underlings to do a good job. They yeah. have no faith that they will be able to do what they need. So what does that person have, what does the boss have to do to make sure that things are done well? I don't know what. Well, the boss will be over their shoulder every second, micromanaging all of their behavior, right? Which is they... actually a really bad idea. Well, of course, right? And anyone who has had a boss who's been over their shoulder all the time and not in a positive way, right? And they're they're not over their shoulder because they want to encourage them to grow and learn. They're over their shoulder because they, they because the boss wants to do all the work. They have to micromanage it because they, you know... So every single, you know, so if you're the underling, it's no fun. Every decision that you make, you have to like, you d check and double check that your boss is okay with it. And, you know, the, the you know, boss will just glare. You'll have to like, you know, do all this stuff. And so, you, so, so if you're, uh, you know, underling, you know, you're not empowered. And if you're the boss, it's no fun either. You know, there, there was, um, in, in one of my books, I write about some interesting research about trust, which is not the research you're talking, you're going to talk about, mm -hmm. but it did show that um, the best way to get someone to trust you was to do an action that showed you trusted them. Right. That that's actually how con men work. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, talk about that for a second. Well, yeah. So, so you know, there there are people that are considered con men, right? Who, for a living, they just con other people. They lie and 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 uh, set up a situation where that that you think that they're doing this, but they're actually doing something else to try and get money or whatever. And apparently, if you're a con man, one of the or con woman, one of the con tricks person. of the con person, one of the tricks of the trade is that you. You, for instance, um, uh, you'll you let's say you the con person has a, a really nice car, you know, like a brand new BMW or something, or they've rented one. They'll uh, they'll take the keys and they'll hand them to you and say, "Oh, hey, just take the car. Don't worry about it. Just take it. I trust you. Just go ahead. You can use the car." You know, they'll they'll take actions that that say that in which essentially they're saying i trust you and then by doing that you tend to trust them back mm. oh hey hey look take this 500 dollars for me and put it in the bank yeah you know i can't make it right now but here's here's just 500 bucks yeah yeah and that and so that so anyway that that was a diversion but um right but but i'm just saying that if you want someone to trust you if you're trying to build trust one of the worst things that you can do is to show that you don't have trust. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I know. And I know that sounds... Micromanage, uh, right? Because right. then that tells me you don't trust me. To do a good job. And exactly. so now we're not building trust. Right. Um, right. And so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's obviously a two, it's obviously a two way street. Yeah. You know? So. Okay. So then what do you do about this? Well, we're not. Hold on. There's a. What? There's you know. There's a lot more. There's a, things there's you a, need to talk yeah, about. All right, go ahead. More things to talk go ahead. about. So, okay. So so we know that that you have to have you know the culture of trust is generally a good thing. And um, if you read any kind of like leadership books, they kind of there there are kind of just some well known things that that you can do to be an, you know the the how to be an effective leader. 
Um, and a big part is to learn how to delegate, learn how mm-hmm. to empower others, learn how to inspire others. Um, these are these are all pretty common common things. Um, so the the one of the I think misconceptions though, right? So 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 we know we need a culture of trust, but how do you create that? And one of the I think misconceptions is that you create trust based on altruism. So think of a community where there's no crime and the instinct is to say, well, there's no crime because everyone's really nice. And that, um, you know, they trust that there's not going to be crime because crime hasn't been like committed on them. Uh, okay. and, and so to create a, a community of trust, what you need is you need altruism. You need, um, you know, people to, to be uh, loving and caring and nice mm-hmm. to each other. Absolutely. And certainly, one, th- th- and that's, I don't think that's true. That, uh, all, if, if you have, if there's not a lot of crime around you, that will create um, safety. But I don't think that creates a culture of trust. Trust and safety are two different things. They are? I, I think so. A feeling of safety is not the same as a feeling of trust. Yes. So, for example, um, let's let's say you work at you know Burger Joint, uh, and you have you know, um, and you, what you do doesn't matter. Your boss doesn't care what you do. No one, just no one cares. You can have a you can have a culture of safety, right? The boss isn't checking in on your work. Because the boss doesn't care. And so you're not worried or stressed. That, Nothing's like, going to happen to me. I'm not going to lose my job. Yeah. But that's not a culture of trust necessarily. That's a culture right. of safety, which is right. nothing I do matters. No one cares. So no one's going to try. No, but, nothing bad is going to happen. Right. But that doesn't exactly encourage good work either. You know, right. that's that's just everyone knowing that I don't have to do a good job and there will be no negative repercussions. So, OK, so 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 to lay that out, I guess I should just jump into the research. huh? Go ahead. All right. So the research I'm talking about, I'm going to talk about there's a study or two I want to talk about. Um, and it generally has to do pe- people kind of figured this stuff out using what's called uh I mean, it's game theory games, and I, I don't know how much you want me to talk about what. So I'll just start, well, what, and you can yeah, tell yeah. me when I need to explain something. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. So there, there are these um, various game theory games that you can play. For example, uh, like the ultimate bar- ultimatum bargaining game. And these games are... Uh, you know, game theory basically says you, you'll have your Nash equilibriums where pe- people, if you set up a thing in a certain way, then each actor has, you know, the path that they're kind of going to take. Um, and the prisoner's dilemma is kind of the, the classic, you know, a classic example. But there are lots of other games and some of the games are a lot simpler. Um, and you can use these games to elicit uh, decision behavior from people. So in the same way that, um, for example... Uh, if you're trying to figure out what's the value of something, you can you can play games with participants and be like, hey, um, if like, will you you know here's here's the object, here's a stack of cash, which one would you prefer? 
Would you do you want to take the money or do you want to take the object? And by do playing those types of games, you can get um, you can elicit a value of the object from from a person. And generally, playing the game is more valuable than saying uh, than just saying what's this worth to you? Because oftentimes there is going to be a difference between uh, what people say an object is worth and what they actually do when they have a stack of money in front of them. So in the same way, uh, when you when people you know when you ask people what are they going to do? That might be different than if you play a game. So does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. So there are these games. These are games that have been developed to test certain theories. Correct. And and okay. not they haven't been developed to test certain theories. They just, you know, they are what they are. Um, They're games and they, they can be useful in yes, testing certain yes. theories. Yes. Okay. For behavioral scientists. Okay. So, so there's, you know, so, so the ultimatum bargaining game um yeah. and and uh it was kind of popularized by in a paper of 1982 by uh Guth Schmittenberger and Schwartz um and in a paper titled an experimental analysis of Ultim ultimatum bargaining so i don't i don't think they invented the game but kind of i guess i'm i'm giving them credit for kind of popularizing it and here's okay. here's how the here's how the game works so there are two players and some money Okay, two players and some money. Right. One are these person, people like sitting in the same? Doesn't matter. Next to each other. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's all variation of the game. Um, one person has all the money. Okay, so I have all the money. You have all the money. Yeah, we'll play. Me, we'll play with me and you. Mm-hmm. Let's just let's just say it's a hundred bucks. Okay. Okay. You then make an offer to me. I'm offering you some of the money. Some of the money. You could somewhere uh, between any, zero uh, do and hundred, I just, and I decide how much. Exactly. Okay. Uh, why would I offer you money? Well, that's that's the game. Uh, it's my move. I'm supposed to give you. Some yes. Money. Yes. All right. So you I so give you, you you give me money. If okay. I accept the offer, mm -hmm. then the amounts get filled, right? So if you ex so let's just let's just do the classic example. You have a hundred dollars. You you offer me fifty. Okay. I accept your else? I accept the offer and then we both get fifty dollars. Fifty dollars. Fifty fifty. Okay? Okay. Um, however, if I reject the offer, yeah. both people receive nothing. You mean I lose all my money? Correct. So so if I offer you ten dollars and you don't take it. No one gets ever anything. Okay. Now the game is interesting because so let's just say, right, it's a hundred dollars and you offer me one dollar. Yeah. Two people are playing together, but that's why it's that's why it's called an ultimatum bargaining game because mm -hmm. I as the second actor, I have no good options, right? I'm at the mercy of whatever I mean, you If I offer you a dollar, it's a dollar. Right, exactly, exactly. So even though it's completely unfair that you get $99 and I get $1, my only options are to take whatever offer you give, which could be a dollar. Or to get nothing. So you should take the dollar because a dollar is better than zero and that's, or five dollars. And that's the game theory part. Is that but is that you don't, do you? Well, it depends. Some people do. So the game theory says I should take whatever offer is presented because that's the only correct move. Because otherwise I get nothing. And something is right. better than nothing. And um, of, of course... There is a certain point where, out of spite, 
I say, screw you, you're a jerk, and I'm just going to blow the whole ship up. And, and no I'm going to not take your offer because do you know when you're playing this game that if you reject the offer, then I get nothing? Yes. And so you get pissed at me and you say, right. fine, you can and give me a dollar. I'm going to reject it. And there's and value you, in you'll, betrayal. You'll lose, you'll lose $99. Humans love betrayal. They really, if they get mad at something, they, they're really, they're perfectly they happy. They like revenge. Yeah. Even if it costs them something, they're perfectly happy to, bur- to, to burn it all down. So, okay. And so, so, you know, the, so the rational actor, the, right, if you wrote a computer program, had an AI program make these decisions and say, make the best decision for you, right? That's in your the, best interest. The computer would take Always the one dollar. Always makes the dollar, right? Um, or even down to a penny, right? If you want to break it down even further. But that's not what happens in the real world. And that's why the game is brilliant. And that's why you get fun results that you can then study and find lessons in this. Because humans don't take the dollar. Now, okay. it's one thing if, uh, and here's the, and so, so that's, so that's the basis of the game. And I hope, hopefully that makes sense. Yep. Makes sense. The next part is then yeah. it's one thing if you play the game once. Right. It's another thing if you play the game multiple times, because then you have a history. And then, so, so, so if we play the game once and you offer me a dollar, I'll probably take the dollar. But after a certain period of time. I'm eventually not going to take the dollar, right? It's it's the classic, of uh, kind of like uh, the you know the, the the populi rising up, you know against uh you know the bourgeoisie. It's the French Revolution. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We're like <laughs> we're not going to take it anymore. All right, like, wait a minute. I have a question though. If we if we play multiple <laughs> times, are we taking turns in terms of who? has no. the money and is making the offer well it, again it depends on your setup but let's just assume okay. not now that said is that when you when once you start to have a history it actually is in your best interest not to take the dollar why it's think of the game theory of a strike right if i the the offer is don't t- today either i can get paid and take whatever the the boss man gives me or i don't have to get paid and i'll go on strike yeah. now it's the same it's in some ways it's the same game however by going on strike you're kind of burning all the bridges down that day but because but there's a history involved so let's say i reject the dollar and you get nothing well yeah because i've blown things up you've actually lost 99 dollars. the value yeah. of losing 99 dollars is very high so yeah. the next time we play You'll you'll think I better not offer a dollar because I could risk losing the ninety nine, mm-hmm. and it's that risk of anarchy, of rebellion, of 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 you know ruining everything for everyone that right. then creates a more fair outcome because out of fear that the that the lower class in this in this game will straight reject you. You have you'll offer five dollars or ten dollars or a more equitable solution that 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 makes um, the person who's getting the lesser end of the bargain uh, a little more willing to work with you. So so there is so so it is a decent strategy when you're playing with history to actually not take the dollar because mm-hmm. then you'll be able to get more the next time you play. Okay. Right. So so does this does this kind of make sense? Yeah. All right. 
So you can kind of see how you're developing um, when you play this game multiple times, you start to develop mm -hmm. a culture. You start okay. to develop a society because of a power imbalance. Okay. And humans are really, really good at whatever you do. If you just put a bunch of people together and you give them a, a task to do, they will create a culture and a society around it very, very, very quickly. Um, and you've seen this in our in your in your talks, right? We we just say we we just make a random or in in our workshops, right? We make a random group, right? And we you know your group A, your group B, and without almost having to do anything, right? The groups form names, especially if you, if they compete against each other, they form names yeah. and they're cheering against the other group. Yeah. Right. Like it very within a minute or two, and they form right. some sort of their own identity that's separate and distinct and unique. Um, so, so, so we're very good at this. So even, so, so if you just play this game a couple of rounds, you start to develop dynamics and, a, you know, a, a culture, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Any questions? No, you need to keep going though? Yeah, so okay. I'm moving on to a paper called Trust, Reciprocity, and Social History by Berg, okay. Dickhout, and McCabe, 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 something like that. So they ran an experiment using a derivative of the ultimatum game that I described. And the experiment goes like this. There are two subjects or participants um, in room A and room B. Okay. Okay? Each of them are given $10. Okay. In room B, if you're in room B, you just pocket your money. It's yours. Okay. In room A, you have to decide how much to send to to your anonymous counterpart in room B. Okay. Right? So, uh, and anything you don't send, you get to keep in your pocket. Okay. If you're in room A. Now, here's the rub. Whatever money you send, uh, the person A sends to room B, that money then gets tripled. So, let's, let's, play, let's play the basic game, right? We both get $10. Who's A and who's B? Uh, I'm A, you're B. Okay, so we have ten dollars. Ten dollars. I B. I keep my ten dollars. Okay, so you keep your ten dollars. Right and now, you as A, what do you decide to do? So wait a minute, I have a question. Yes. In this game, do we both get to decide whether we're going to give money? Yes, we'll get to that. The first part, the first part of the game, like I said, B gets to keep the B keeps their money. Yeah. A has to decide what to send. Oh, okay. Well, let's see. What would I give you? I, 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 does just pick a number. <laughs> just pick a number. Three. Okay. So you're gonna keep seven and send me three. The, yeah. The three you send me yeah. is tripled. You mean you end up getting nine? So I end up getting nine. So I have nineteen dollars. Did, did I know that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Well, I might. Well, not hold send on. You as okay. Much. So then the second part of the game. Yeah. Is B then gets to choose how much money to give back to A. Okay. Does it get tripled? No. Okay. Right? So the second half of the game is a, is what's called a dictator game. It's close to the ultimatum game, but it's a dictator game because the <laughs> the the person getting money ha literally has no power. Yeah. Right? So 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 I have now have $19 and you have 7. 
So I can't like reject the you offer. Can't reject it, right? It is a straight okay. dictator. So I say, eh, you were nice. You gave me nine dollars, right? Because you have essentially gave me nine dollars. Yeah. I'll give you your three back. Okay. So you end up with ten, and I get to. I have my sixteen. Okay. Okay. So does that does that make sense? Well, makes sense from you mean just the logistics of the game. Yeah. Do you like? Do, do you kind of understand how the game is played? Yeah, I understand. Okay. So. The, it's, the game is very fascinating on a bunch of different levels. The first is, is that the optimal strategy to A, technically, is to never send any money to B because there's no... Really? Well, think about it. If you're Because what's the optimal strategy for B if you're playing once? I don't know what. It's to... So, so let's say... You're, so let's, 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 let's switch, okay? Okay. So you'll, you'll be B this time. We both get Okay. 10. Right. I send ten dollars to you, so you get thirty. Yeah. So you're sitting okay. with forty dollars in your pocket. Yeah. What's the best way to maximize your forty dollars? To not give you any. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. So if you play once, the uh, the yeah. outcome of the dictator game is yeah. to not send any money to A, and so what's the optimal strategy for A? To not send any money. To B. Exactly. Right. So. So in order for money to be exchanged, you have to f literally you have to form a culture of trust. That's why the game is so smart, because it, the optimal strategy for both people is to not send any money. But we know that there's this advantage to sending money because it gets tripled. So, you know, society, quote unquote, at large is is benefited if the money is sent, but yet individually Without a culture of trust, there's no incentive to send any. But what if I was just trying to be nice? Well, exactly. Exactly. So, so let's, so, so, but that's, that was a one-off. Okay. Yeah. And if, right, the only, the only way that you can, in, if you're just, if you're just, if you're only playing once, the only way that. A gets money back is if B is nice. Right. That's the ultimate. But B ultimate. might be nice because A was nice first. But that but hold on. If you're only playing once, it makes no difference. But what happens if you start playing multiple times? What happens if you form a society, a culture around this game? A history. Okay? Yeah. So Um, so, and I, I guess I'll, I'll just, I'll just, uh, well, I'll just say something quick. Um, in conclusion, experiments on ultimatum game, repeated prisoner dilemmas games, and other extensive forms of games provide strong evidence that people do, do punish inappropriate behavior, even though this is personally costly. Is so that the revenge idea? It, it, yeah, right. So, um, the the thing is, is that is that um, there's a there's a kind of a follow up study, and I'm you know I don't there's there's a it's it's a does the trust game measure trust? Yeah, and so. What they what they did was 
um, they added in punishment. 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 Okay, how'd they do that? So, um, and I gotta, I'm, I'm gonna make sure I, I have this. Uh, I, I want to make sure I'm quoting the right, the, the right thing here. You hear him typing on his click, keyboard. Click, click, clickety clack, 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 clack. Okay. So I want to talk about um, this study. And the study is, where, where'd you go? Okay. Fair and Goucher in 2000, Cooperation and Punishment in Public Good Experiments. Okay. And, and so they basically played um, a version of the game I, I told you. The second one. The second one. Okay. Right. Except it's even, um, it's, a, it's a little more complicated. So okay. in, what'd they do? So they had, what they did was they played a similar type of game. So each period, people get 20 tokens. Okay. And people can either keep their tokens or invest the tokens into a project. Okay. So, like room A and room B, society is best increased if you put your money into if the tokens into a po into into the project. Instead of just holding on to Because money that's put into the project is magnified and then split equally between everyone. Okay. Even if you don't pay into it. Oh, really? Yeah. Wait a minute. If I just hold on to... So are there more than two people in this? Yes. Or just two? So if I just hold on to my money and I let you guys invest... Right. Uh, in, and then when, when there's more money, I'll get some. Right. Right. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. So... Um, and they, there were two groups. So the first was the stranger group, which was only played with random people each round. So there's no history. Right? Okay. The second was the partner group, which was same played with the same people each round. Okay. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, so, so the thing is, th the decisions are simultaneous. So each round, everyone decides whether they're putting money uh, in or they're keeping it. But you don't know until the you end. You don't know what the other people are deciding. Exactly. The okay. optimal outcome is to keep all the tokens to yourself. But have optimal everyone... Optimal in terms of what? Maximizing the number of tokens that you have. So what you, the, the best outcome is for you to keep all your tokens, but everyone else to put their tokens into the project. Right. Because then right. you get the big slice from the project payout, but you're keeping yours. You're keeping your mm -hmm. cake and eating their cake. So it's a, it's a classic mm -hmm. free rider game. Mm -hmm. So the problem is, is that everyone then, once the turn is over, knows who free rode and free who didn't. Yeah, so they'll know that I kept my tokens. Yeah. Now, the dominant strategy is that everyone keeps their coins. Everyone free Dominant, rides. you mean... The the so that's that's the gate that's game theory talk. That just means right, because I know that if I put you know, my coins in, you're probably gonna keep yours, so I'm gonna keep mine. So then you everyone just keeps their so own coins. Every, so according to the theory, everyone would just keep their own coins. Exactly. Exactly. Do they? Well, so so here's the thing. The average contribution, right? Yeah. Uh everyone gets twenty tokens. Okay. Yeah. In the when when you normally play the game, um, after ten periods, yeah, 
the average contribution is two coins. And so that is the altruism model. The altruism model says, look, I'm going to benefit the community out of the goodness of my heart. And I'm going to put coins. Um, I'm going to play along. I'm going to play along. I'm going right? to help out. I'm going to help I'll out. And I'm, and giving, I'm giving coins. Maybe. I, but I, And I might get something back. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Right? Um, and by the end of 10 periods, either in the Games with History, which is the, the, uh, mm -hmm. the you know, uh, or the Stranger Games... Mm -hmm. stranger treatment or partner treatment at the end of 10 rounds on every single time it eventually made it to about two tokens so there's always yeah so there's always going to be some people who are altruistic and will just give some coins to the project trying to encourage you know that everyone else works together yeah um and this is but that's two out of 20 tokens so it's really only two percent it's a very small or ten percent uh, can we say it's a token token? It's a token token. Exactly. Okay. So that's so that's kind of what happens. And it's very good evidence that if you want to create a culture of trust, altruism is a very, very bad way to do it. Be Why? Be well, if there was a culture. Of, so, so, so this is right. The, the game only works if there's a culture of trust. Because if you trust that everyone else is going to put their tokens in, then you'll put your tokens in because you know you're going to get a big payout. Right. But if there's not a culture of trust, you're going to keep your tokens. And everyone else is going to keep their tokens. Because no one else is putting their tokens in. So it's well, a few people put a little bit in. Yeah, I know. And that's and you so you play around the edges. But again, yeah. only ten percent of people of the tokens are actually going into the project. Yeah. So you're yeah. just not getting very many tokens. Right. Now that's so 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 that is good evidence, in my opinion. That the altruism doesn't the work. altruism is a very bad way to create a culture of trust because okay. it, requ it it requires it's almost like herd immunity. If you want to create a culture of trust, you need a certain percentage of people to be altruistic, to then yeah. kind of guilt everyone else into being altruistic. Right. So if you're you know in a monastery with a bunch of Mother Teresas. Perhaps the altru the altruism model may be a very very good way to run your business, because there's like this you know this big kind of whatever. But but if you're anywhere else, it just doesn't facilitate group dynamics. Okay. So let's move on then to the second part of this game, okay. which is they added punishment. They added punishment. Yes. So after everyone else. After you find out, you know, the big reveal, right? Who who put money in? Who put in money in? Who, who was free riding? Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a second decision stage. Okay. And people are given the opportunity to punish other members by assigning what's called punishment points. So there's a big reveal. And you see who put money in and who didn't. And then everyone decides who they want to punish. And then that's revealed. Okay. So you're saying I put, I didn't put in any. Right. I kept all my mm -hmm. tokens. Mm -hmm. And uh, did I know when I was making that decision that there was going to be this punishment? Yes. 
Yes. When they they when when they, it and it kind of it kind of doesn't matter. But let's just assume. Okay. Yes. All right. So I decide. Uh, screw the punishment. Right. I'm still going to hold on to right. my money. So the way the punishment works is if you are given a punishment point. Yeah. Your payout is reduced ten percent. You mean, if I if I, oh oh. Right. So let's say I keep my, my twenty payout. tokens, but yeah. I get a punishment point. I only get eighteen. Oh. And and it goes all the way down to zero. So if I get ten punishment points, yeah. I get no tokens because my payout yeah. has been reduced to zero because I'm okay. you know. So. If people don't like you, they can send you home with nothing. Yeah. So they're going to vote me off the island. They're going to vote you off the island. Um, okay. Right. So so all of a sudden, yes, you can keep your tokens. But if you keep your tokens um, and people find out. I'll have less and less tokens. Now, now when you play this game with history, right? Yeah. Uh, with people, with the same people over and over and over, right? So if yeah. I keep all my tokens, and I keep do keeping all my tokens, people might be like, "Hey, you best watch out. You do this one more time, right? We're gonna punish we're gonna, you. We're gonna punish and you." And then yeah. the next round, you can because you know it's it's the same person. By the end of round ten, yeah. Uh, the average amount of contribution per person was eighteen tokens oh my gosh yeah and even by and and the thing is by round four in in the in the history it was eight, it was about 18 tokens so you know like like so after a couple rounds of playing people yeah. figured out very quickly this is what the culture is you put your tokens in the project if you don't put your tokens in the project, we will punish you. Yeah. And that created this blossoming culture of trust where everyone put their tokens into the project. And even here's the crazy part. Even in um in the in the rounds where it was a, where you got strangers. Yeah. So you didn't it wasn't you didn't know who you were playing with. There were 10 yeah. rounds, but each round it was different people. Yeah. Even in those rounds, um, by the end of the period, uh, the average contribution was about twelve tokens. So, because so even when it couldn't be like Frank, you're acting out again, people kind of realized there are Franks out there among us, and we kind of punish Franks generally. Um, and and so so even when it was just it was random people each turn, the the threat of punishment made. Uh, contribution levels go up to about 12 but yeah but once you have any sort of history it's it's up to 18 so you go from having 10% donating to the project to 90% hmm so you so you you're creating this uh, this idea of what the group norm is exactly but you're creating it's not a group norm based on we're nice people <laughs> no it's, it's and this not. is what the group does because they're nice <laughs> no it's a group norm based on this is the group norm don't because... step out of line 
and yeah, and otherwise the, you're and, gonna get punched. And I know, and I when and and I want to kind of break the mindset we have because when we think of like safe communities, yeah, you know, you think of like this kind of like idyllic, like everyone's walking around and saying hi, and oh, you know, everyone's really altruistic. But I think anyone who's maybe grown grown up in that community, um, there's a lot of like neighbors like like looking out their you know shutters like over fences and like staring at their neighbors like what are they up to like reporting people to city council anonymously if they don't like clear their sidewalk the the nice altruism is just a little there's the fake veneer yeah exactly and then in real culture in like in a lot of places where there's a lot of trust um i mean right there's in in places where there's not a lot of crime you can develop a culture of safety but in places where there's like, uh, where, where people kind of stay in line, uh, okay, there's like then, a lot of nosy neighbors. Okay, but, but you're really thing. changing the definition of trust here because this isn't trust at all. This is just like, like, adherence to norms based out of fear. Yes. So, but 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 let's but let's. Stick <laughs> yeah, I mean, with is the, that how you're defining trust? <laughs> let's stick with the workplace example. Yeah. So, and well, let me, let me just say, let me finish. I should just finish up this research and then we can get to yeah. the, the workplace okay. example. Um, so what's interesting is the researchers looked at how many punishment points were applied, right? So if you freeloaded two to eight tokens, less than average, right? So what was important is yeah. not how many overall tokens you contributed to the project. It was how many, how many standard deviations, how far away from the norm did you step yeah so if you didn't uh so so if you if you stepped between two and eight tokens right if you freeloaded a little bit you got an average three punishment points and if you tried to freeload between eight and 14 you you got about five punishment points but and if you freeloaded between 14 and 20 you were also you know hit with five punishment points in the stranger group but if you were in the partner group where there's history, you got hit with seven punishment points. Yeah. So what's interesting is is that if you is that it, it had nothing to do with the overall level. It just had to do with how far outside the group dynamics you strayed. And it, what appears to happen is in the stranger group, if you stray really really far, it's it seems like people are like, okay, we got to punish you, but perhaps you didn't know what our norms were. Hmm. Right. So we're going to punish you, but we're not going to hit you too bad because maybe you didn't understand. If you go really far, but people yeah. who were in the group, they and and strayed outside the social norms, they were punished yeah. the worst. Yeah. They got the worst punishment out of any of the groups. You knew what the norms were. You should have known better. You didn't. And now you're getting the worst punishment. Hmm. So, so again, the, the the important point to know there is that punishment that these that these norms develop, even in these short little games, and you can stray a little bit, and if you st- and you can kind of get away with it. If you stray a little too far, if you push things, you get a little slap on the wrist from the average. If you stray really far, and and it's with a stranger. If you're if you're new to the group, you'll get punished. But if you but if you're uh, 
in if you if you should have known better that's when you get the worst punishment okay you know th- this is so interesting and and it it really to me uh i mean it's disturbing for one thing <laughs> the whole thing is disturbing we i wanted altruism to win <laughs> well everyone um, wants altruism to, to win though that's like that's uh, the point yeah yeah but but this but you know there's an in there's an interesting thing because in the field and this this highlights to me the difference between psychology and behavioral economics because psychology would tell us i mean there's lots of research to show that punishment is not as effective as rewards correct um but we're not talking in in that situation we're not talking about a social situation correct we're purely talking about you know the the individual organism uh human mouse rat dog mm-hmm. toddler uh and and the consequences of an individual action uh it's a one off consequences it's a one off yeah. and it's also between the person of less power and the and the dictator correct and you know so it's been known for a long time punishment is not very effective as soon as you stop applying it you know the behavior goes back to what it was before and that's probably true with what you're talking about too but exactly what, yeah but what you're talking about is that yeah but the punishment isn't going to go away because of the social norms of the group Right. And, and, and that, that's the interesting thing. And th- what this suggests is that is if, if, for example, you had that, that, that group that was contributing, everyone was contributing 18 coins a turn. And it's only 18 because yeah. some people, you know, some people cheeky on the edges will try to take a couple coins to, you know, get ahead here or there. But if you got rid of the punishment or the threat of punishment... Yeah. Instantly, the behavior would go to was back. Right. So, so like, so your point that punishment does not work as a long-term effective motiv- motivator is completely yeah, correct. It's true. Because as right. soon as the punishment stops, it's gone. It's gone. Then the right, whereas if you right. use other motivators like the desire for mastery, the, the things we talk about, well, even if the punishment goes away, you'll still perhaps do the behavior. Perhaps, but not based on altruism. But not based on altruism. Yeah, very interesting. So wait a minute, but what tell, tell but so let's go back to this question of the culture of trust. Yes. So what does this what does this say then? If I if I'm in an organization and I want to build a culture of trust. Right. In this and this organization could be my family, it could be a big corporate uh company, it could be the department that I work in, it could be you know, let's stay uh, away the, from families. All right. So let's because there's, there's other weird, there's other relationships. Yeah, all right. Weird. So let's just say it's this is in my uh, either my company or my department within my company. Yeah, whatever team, whatever team you're working with, whatever team I'm working on. What what does this say then about building a culture of trust? What should I do if I want to build a culture of trust? So if you want to build a culture of trust, there are these norms of what is fair and what people are supposed to do. People have an inherent understanding as to what's the best way to go about things. And it's not it's not rocket science because we're just at work when it comes to social things, we are all geniuses at understanding social stuff. But the problem is, have you ever worked 
for a boss and like you do what the boss says because um the, if the bo- like nothing is ever the boss's fault oh yes <laughs> right like oh, like yes. you do what the boss says when the boss messes up right nothing happens right when you mess up oh you get you get you know the it's it's just or when the boss or when the boss messes up somebody else gets exactly yeah the the problem and, and there most most companies and most organizations and most structures out there do not have good levels of trust they just don't they just don't because um what what is required imagine if you're in the meeting not with the boss but with your boss's boss right yeah. and the boss says something that you know is just like the boss says this is how the world is right yeah. and you raise your hand and you say i think that you've been doing a bad job at this <laughs> right okay right like what's going to happen in most of the situations is that you get severely punished socially uh politically uh you know uh you know in Corp- you might eventually lose your job. Yeah, exactly, right? And so what happens when you're in the big meeting with your boss's boss and the boss says something, no one ever disagrees with right. with that person. And everyone just like trips hand over foot to try to make just make, you know, that person happy. Make him happy. Well, that's not a culture of trust. But But how could you possibly change that? So what is required in order to have a culture of trust is to have, um, uh, and and I think I probably quoted this, um, you need to have punishment and it needs to be consistent and equal across all the members. Even the boss? That's the secret. If you if 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 one person let's just say we're playing that game again and there's one person in the group who never puts tokens in. Right? Yeah. And they're yeah. never punished. Nothing bad ever happens if they're greedy. Because yeah. they're the boss and you don't want to upset the boss. Then that person will always keep all their tokens. And and it and and so as soon as someone can think, oh, well, maybe I'm like, maybe I can get rid of like if he's not putting all of his tokens in, maybe I can become a henchman. And I don't, you know, I don't have to, you know, I get to keep a couple tokens for myself. And just, you know, everyone runs to their own corners as as fast as they can get away with it. Do you think it's important? if you're trying to build a culture of trust that the norms be articulated? Yes. I mean, they don't have to be physically articulated or like literally articulated, but everyone has to know that's, that's the difference between the stranger and the partner. So everyone has to know if I do this, I will be punished by X. And if I didn't, so you're saying if I didn't know that not, I was going to get punished, then I'm a stranger, and I'll still get punished, but I won't be punished as badly. So you're saying it's not like it has to be in the employee handbook. That, well, I mean, it could, it could be, be, 
But the idea is it's more important that when it's breached, there's action. But and, and the thing is, is that we're, you know, this can happen for anything. I mean, we're talking about we're in a group together. If someone, I'm not talking about someone like does cocaine or is, you know, something that would be against employee handbook, but someone just like does a bad job on a project, right? They, yeah. they mess up somewhere. They, they, they put yeah. the circle peg on the thing when it was supposed to be the square peg. Okay. Like that stuff happens. And what has to happen is they have to be punished. But, but punishment, when it comes to teams and groups, you know, no one's getting like whipped anymore. Like, like punishment is social punishment, right? So they have a meeting and you say, hey, Jerry, you, you put the square thing on the round thing again. Like you messed up. Like, you know, I'm not, gonna, I'm not yelling at you, but like, let's try and work together to see how to fix this. But like, I'm recognizing that you did a bad job. And just the, the group recognition that I've made a mistake. That's in some ways, that's an, enough social punishment. Okay, so do, all right, all right. I have a question though. Do you think this is feasible? I mean, yes. People hate that that kind of public. Just because it's punishment, right? No one but, wants so, to. So, so wouldn't I just say, screw this? I'm not going to work for this company. I'm not going to. I'm going to go somewhere where they don't call you out in public for what but you here's did wrong. The, but people only feel bad because the the person who's getting called out is usually the boss, and they never get called out. Like. What like whenever what you know when you when you talk, when you read leadership books, what they a lot of what they talk about is accountability, and if you've ever had, um, think of like one of the best bosses you've ever had, okay. And everyone think of okay. a, and there was a project that didn't go well. Yeah. What does the boss do? Well, the the boss doesn't pass the buck. The the boss often takes, "Hey, it was my fault. I was I yeah, I should that, have done better." But you shouldn't do that if that's not true though, right? No, 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 but see that's that's just it. It's it's a culture of of accountability. If if you are in charge of a project and the project goes wrong, you because you're in charge, Right, like, like you have you to are, be held. You automatically have blame, and that's really but other important. people might have blame as well. Other people might have blame as well, absolutely. But but you do too because you're in exactly. charge. Exactly. So everyone is being held accountable for what they're in charge mm -hmm. of. The boss is mm -hmm. in charge of making sure the project goes well. If the project doesn't go well, it's the boss's fault, and they need to be held accountable for their failure. Mm. I, if I'm in charge of making the widgets and putting the circle widget in the right place, if I mess that up, I need to be held accountable for messing up my job role. Because what happens all the time is, what's the boss? The like the boss is responsible for making sure the project goes well. That's the only thing the boss does is like holding meetings and making sure everything works. And so, if someone puts a square thing on a round peg, and messes up. The boss never gets in trouble, but then the boss has isn't doing anything. Like, like what could possibly happen to make the boss get in trouble? And so, because it's the boss's job to make sure the project goes well, so the boss always gets the credit when the project goes well, and never ever gets any uh, gets any of the negative consequences if it doesn't. So, if the project doesn't go well, the boss needs to be held accountable for that failure. Hmm. And we're just so ingrained that. The person up top, it's never their fault, and they never right. So, so in cultures where you find, I mean, and you can look at sports teams. Sports teams they talk a lot about like winning culture, 
Yeah. Whenever when they lose, the coach goes, "It was my fault. I should have hmm. rec- been. I should have prepared our players better. I should have, you know, uh, like done so, this, done or, this that. or that." Yeah. The best player on the team comes out and says, "I, you know, look, you know, right? He could even if he had a great game." You know, I should have done more. I should have gotten my teammates involved. I should have inspired this thing or that thing. I should have, right? Like, like it is the people who are in charge of making sure there's success when there's failure take uh, is accountable for their failure. And companies, uh, think of the companies that are really, that you've been to that you were really, really, really impressed with. Yeah. It's yeah. usually companies, usually, where you walk in and everyone's working together and the small little underling can have a meeting with the boss and say, hey, I think you should do this. And the boss, not just for show, because oftentimes like there's like an open door policy, quote unquote, but like it's it's not really an open door policy. But but where where the where the underlings can be like, hey, management, I think you're doing this wrong. And I'd like to express that you're that you're that you're doing a bad job. And management can say, that's okay. Like we like we hear you and we're not going to punish you for speaking out. Hmm. So so it's a it's a what's important is to create a culture of trust is that everyone they don't have to be treated equally but if but that everyone has to be able to be punished there has to be collective punishment for every single person in the group and punishment in a positive way right like jerry you messed this up but let's work on doing let's work on doing better the next time constructive punishment right like you're being held accountable for your actions and yes you're being like called out and that's the social punishment of it but well okay well Guthrie you really got me thinking mm-hmm. now so okay uh, so let's I, so let's let's let me just take the opposite method what so if you okay. want to destroy a society <laughs> yes so let's let's say um let's say you know there's a parent teacher organization that you particularly dislike and you want to destroy yeah. them. Okay. Um, what you have to do is just have to figure out how to make punishments for breaking this, whatever the social norms of the groups are inconsistent. And as soon as that happens, yeah. everyone runs to their own best interest corners. They lose their yeah. economic collective advantage and it'll disintegrate. Uh, I'm going to pretend you didn't give us the, that, that clue. <laughs> uh, well, this is really interesting. And now you got me thinking. And you got time and, for like and... one or two more questions. I have time I for just, one or two more I questions. I just finished my point like two minutes ago. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. I do have a question, but I don't think we have time That's for okay. it. So you can tell me, you can give me a hint, and then we may have to do another no, no, just, podcast look, episode. Look, I would, look, we're in a good place. We explained all this. It's complicated. I would just prefer that we hit the points <laughs> now so I don't have to redo it. All right. So here's my question. If I am in a culture that is of not trust if i'm in a pass the buck Mm -hmm. if i'm in a inconsistent uh, social punishment inconsistent punishment organization right how how do you go about changing that i mean i can see how you could start a new organization and say we're going to make sure that we're using punishment and that it's consistent and that everyone knows the social norms and so right. on based on this research so that we create a culture of trust. But what if you have, you're in a culture of not so trust? The first, is it possible to turn it yes. around? And the first thing you should do is probably, you look, I say culture of punishment because that's what it is. All the yeah. books, because everything has to be 
kind of viewed in this positive. you know we don't we don't punish people we're a very nice society yeah, yeah everyone wants to think yeah. that they're mother Teresa and they never are but you know oh I'm not the type of person who punishes um they call it a cult they call it a, a society of accountability incentives okay, of punishment fine. but it's how punishment, do but, you create okay. a, a, right. a culture of right. accountability um so the first th- if you don't have that yeah now. so the first thing you have to set up is you have to look at the systems that are in place and you have to say how if someone um people be, need to be able to say not not to say you've done a bad a bad job but here's how i think you could do a better job here's some ideas for um you know what i think would work better and then let the group kind of figure out if that is indeed the case or you have to say okay. i don't think that this particular way we're doing things is effective there has okay. to be a way for you to for people who are um straying outside of what is considered a good job to the majority of people for those people to be able to express it so so you have to even if it, you just start with your little department because the problem is is that you can't get the ceo to be to be held accountable for anything but you can start with your little team and so you can set up a system of accountability and trust in your team and it requires everyone to be vulnerable like that's that's why it doesn't happen because you yeah. have to be right like like if you you know if you're the boss yeah if you set the system up people will complain about your behavior yep and you have to be confident enough to to, to do it to, hand, to take, to take it and to it like like take accountability if people have negative things to say and that's okay and to to be able to have you know because because usually there's not a cu- culture of accountability and so you probably never hear anything bad because no one would tell the boss i yeah. think you're doing a bad yeah. job right? right so like right. so like it's you know it takes someone who's in charge to set up a system and that's the whole point about choice architecture and behavioral economics like we're going to set up a system where everyone can 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 freely hold everyone else accountable but i, I okay uh, but i think and, and i'm thinking about some of the some of the without naming names i'm thinking about some of the clients we've worked with yeah. and about how you know if they walked in the room and said okay you know we don't have a system of trust here and so we're going to start doing things differently and so i would like your feedback on on you know what's not working i mean I don't know that people would speak up because I don't. No, no, they never do. So much yeah, yeah, they're, they're in the room. Because there's not trust. And, and, and I mean, we, that's the we've whole done point. a thousand meetings where where we talk to yeah. people and they're like, "Oh my god, this thing is messed up, and this thing is messed up, and like the way we do this is like horrible, and everyone hates it." And they get in the meeting, and, and then, the boss goes, "So what? What? So tell, tell me, me, really? I, I want, want, I want honest feedback. Feedback. What can we do to be better?" And, and it's just crickets. Silence. It's just crickets, right? <laughs> right. Um. But I do, but I think... And uh, that is because there's not a culture of trust because they think that if they speak up, eventually it'll come down and, it will and get hurt, back and to hurt them. them negatively. Yeah. All right. Well, so I want to say that... Uh, uh, well, you just have me thinking about... My brain is going 100 miles a minute, so I don't know that I can say anything except that I want to work on this and I want to work on practical ways practical things 
very practical, very specific that, that people and organizations can do to turn this around if they're in a situation of non-trust. And, and, uh, and I think, and I guess I want to inject one other idea. And that is that in this time of, because there is, there is a lot of, you know, public shaming and people at, in high places getting toppled and all of that going on in our society right now in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing and, is, and I just want to say on this point, cause you mentioned that earlier. Yes. So, so this is, this is a very good, you know, so let's, so if a company steps out of line, right, they're yeah. getting publicly, you know, publicly held accountable. But the problem yeah. is, is that, is that in order for that to work, there has to be consequences. There has to be punishment. Like, if the, yeah. oh, if the company I, doesn't... I, I... So let's just say there's a politician, right? And the politician yeah. does something that's beyond the social norms, okay? Of yeah. of the of what the other party would consider, right, socially acceptable. Yeah. Well, it's only punishment if there's negative consequences to, to that to that politician. But if the politician yeah. is like, I don't care what you guys think. There are no negative consequences. In fact, it just makes my base happier with me. Yeah. It's not punishment. Yeah, well, I, I understand yeah. that. Yeah. I understand yeah. that. But there has been some punishment going on. and But I think that that the with some organizations and some Like, uh, like United, um, like throwing people around on airplanes or Me Too stuff or... Stuff, stuff like that. There's all kind. There's all kind. Yeah, yeah, all kinds of stuff. But I think what what I would, the point. One of the points I want to make is that these organizations, when they do take action, and there are consequences to bad behavior, they. I think they need to really grab that opportunity and realize it's it's not just a one off. You know, that that. How, that they need to think about how do we communicate that you know we have norms and we're gonna there's consequences to going outside the norms and it's not just one person okay that we fired them and therefore you know now we're fine right. you know or that even firing is the so answer, and that's just it right? because think, what's important is again not how much it's it's how much you've deviated it's it's what's the perceived deviation yeah and what ha- and it's and not some just, companies okay, do it and they you... get like like creamed for it and then other companies they do it on the hush hush and no one knows right and they right, get away with it right or what or what or the idea being we only there are only consequences if you go way outside right. this particular right. norm uh, otherwise, there's no consequence, you know. So I, I think, um, I think we, t- you know, if with this whole idea, we may think, okay, it's good that this public shaming is starting to happen, and it'll build a culture of trust. But it may not, unless you know, it's it's not just for the big egregious one-time action. It's it's a more of a a day to day. Anyway, you really, you really got me, you, you got me thinking. And, uh, I can tell you when we get off the air and we'll probably be talking more about this. Cause I, I would like to find a way 
to uh, help organizations because I think these Hire are... us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these are big, these are important issues. And uh, if you want to function, you want to function profitably, you want to keep your, your uh, best employees, um, you want to, then you want to work on, on these issues of trust. All right. Um, Guthrie, thanks for sharing all that. And uh, in your, um, in your blog posts, your video blogs, where you talk about some of this, do you actually have references? Oh yeah. I got references on all, okay. on all this stuff. So we can uh, send, we'll send people when we, when we uh, publish the I can, I can podcast the send, I, I can also just send you the references and if you want to just post them. Yeah. Do that and I'll just post them with the okay. podcast I'll, post. I'll send you all right. right away. Um, Thanks everyone for listening. If you have comments, you can reach us. Yes. Uh, info. How should they info reach us? Info at And then also, yeah. um, I also want to just say that uh, we're putting together summer schedules. So. Yeah. Um, you mean of our work? Yeah, of of uh, workshops and stuff. We just did a wonderful work workshop in Raleigh, and- North Carolina. Um, so, so yeah, if you're did. interested in bringing us in for training and stuff, we can do a workshop on this. We can do a workshop on anything. Also, <laughs> I will <laughs> well, do a I workshop on. No, I'm not doing a workshop anything. on anything. Oh, okay. No, but, uh, we can do a workshop on this topic, uh, or others, um, or, and, and you can hire us for consulting too. Okay. Thanks Guthrie. Thanks all. I'll talk to you all later. Bye. Bye.